Hello and welcome to episode 2 of Here's Johnny's Reviews. Well, tonight, since it is the Halloween season, I've decided to do the one, the only, the classic Halloween. Yes, the 1978 classic, not the terrible 2007 Rob Zombie disaster. Okay, so this is unscripted, so bear with me if there's a bottle of OR rules. <laughs> right. Let me see, where should I start? Well, maybe I should give you a cast. We have, of course, Jamie Lee Curtis, Donald Pleasance, PJ Scholes, Nancy Loomis, and Tony Moran as The Shape. Well, what can I say about this thing? Well, okay, this was shot in 1977, I believe, 78, during the July, uh, which is why it's lovely, bright and sunny. I don't have any leaves on the ground, but hey ho. You just gotta love independent horror films. Well, this thing, of course, was made for around $325,000, 25 of which went to Donald Pleasance for his 12 days, I believe, on set. Yeah, hmm. Inflation there. <laughs> anyway, yes, yeah, Donald Pleasance. An interesting one, because apparently he wanted to play a good guy, as he was fed up being typecasted as a bad guy, such as Blofeld. And multiple other bad guys he's played over the years. Um, of course, Halloween is the first movie for uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, who is, of course, Janet Lee's and Tony Curtis's daughter. Now, she did do some TV work, um, I think, Charles Angels, a 77 episode of Charles Angels, where she played a female golfer. Hmm. And they also had uh, PG Schools, which I believe she played the bitch Chris in the 1975 Carrie, or Carrie, how pronounce the thing. Um, as we're saying, this thing was shot for a budget of 325,000. I think it took 20 days to shoot. This thing was supposed to be called Babysitter Murders, but somebody came up with the genius idea of calling it Halloween. Maybe because, strangely, up until the 78, no horror films were called a holiday. As if you call Halloween a holiday. Well, it is if you're American. <laughs> anyway, the other thing I found interesting about this thing was it was a one-day shoot. And apparently not a lot of horror films were done on one-day shoots. They were usually over a weekend or months of this, this thing happening. But this one is specifically done for one one night. Now, the other thing I think quite interesting about Halloween was the infamous Michael Myers mask was actually a mistake or sheer chance, rather. The one they were going to go for was some creepy looking clown, but they decided to buy at the last minute a William Shatner mask. And of course, they cut the eyes a wee bit bigger, spray painted it white, and we now have the famous or rather infamous Michael Myers mask. Um, well, I'll give you a lot of information. I saw the Halloween last night at my local independent cinema um, of a live audience, which was the first time ever, because I always used to watch these things on DVD or Blu-ray. Well, of course, TV. And I was kind of shocked that a lot of the younger audiences, or viewers rather, were laughing at this thing and mocking it and heckling it and... Because yes, this is an older movie. Yes, it was slow. Yes, the acting was a bit rough, especially from Donald Pleasance, whose most of his lines were laughed at. Fair enough, some of his line delivery was pretty weak. 
I found this really annoying um, how almost every scene was laughed at and it was also the weirdest scenes they were laughing at such as where Jamie Lee or Laurie uh, was stabbed in the shoulder and she fell backwards over the banister and bounced up the stairs. Well, apparently that was hilarious and I had a good three minute chuckle, which I was like, okay, why are you laughing at that? Mm. The other thing I found quite interesting was people were saying, oh my god, that's that scene from Scream. Isn't that a bit from Scream also? So is this where it came from? Really, people? You don't know what Halloween was well before Scream. In fact, Halloween was one of the first slasher movies out there, if not the first, because people argue about this Chisel Massacre and Last House on the Left, but they, well, I'm not sure about Last House on the Left, but they are not slashers. They are more of a good old-fashioned horror. Now, the other thing I think quite interesting about last night was Jamie Lee's acting. Yeah, I can see this was why it was her first gig. Now, I love this movie, don't get me this wrong. I've seen this movie about 100, 200 times. Like I say, I own it in every single format imaginable, <laughs> literally every format, from Laserdisc, yes, Laserdisc, to Betamax or Betamax, to DVD, Blu-ray, and uh, video, VHS. So I've seen this thing about 100 or so times, and this is one of my favourite movies, and my favourite horror movie. Um, unfortunately, I had it slightly spoiled last night by the, the the heckling and the laughing and the mocking of it. Um, as I said earlier in the podcast, I am not a fan of the Rob Zombie remake or reimagining or what the hell that thing was. Uh, I was not a great fan of the whole white trash Haddonfield. I mean, maybe that's, that's Rob Zombie's fetish, but to me, that is not a horror movie. It's just a fetish. I mean, all this crack horror household and Michael was talking and all this no 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 not for me at all um but weirdly as we're exiting the cinema people were saying how much they actually liked the Rob Zombie one better and even Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 which to me is one of the worst horror films I've ever seen I'm sorry but it is far too violent and far too much of a mind trip you know no 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 um mentioned Cena I didn't like the original Halloween 2 either I thought it was too much of a bloody slapdash catching up to Jason since Jason was on what Halloween it's Halloween Friday the 13th 3 by 1982 when it released Halloween 2 so they were catching up in the, the new big dog of horror <laughs> um, like I said but Halloween was copied numerous times most notably by Friday the 13th but also by films such as Terror Train, which is pretty much allegedly Halloween on a train, even though it's not, because I've seen that very recently. Um, interesting little movie, if a little weird 80s thing, you know. Mm. Uh, but anyway, go back to Halloween. Um, let me see, it starts off, well, of course, you know, starts off in the 60s, 63, I believe, with young little Michael, who's aged six. I think it said six or seven. Uh, and of course, he kills his promiscuous sister uh, with a rather large butcher's knife um, after his sister had the briefest sex in cinematic history. I think that thing was, what, 40 seconds? God, that guy must have been a, a, a two-hump chump, but you know. <laughs> um, yes, and what I found shocking about this was the amount of mistakes 
that was in the initial walkthrough was the blurriness of the camera, the zooming in and zooming out sort of stuff, and, and of course the camera bumps into the couch or the sofa. Uh, as he goes up the stairs, he sort of bumps into the bumps into the banister, and then of course that is the first cut. See, because this whole opening scene is in two or three shots, uh, but that's the first cut when they bend over and pick up, bend down rather, and pick up the clown mask that the boyfriend was playing with earlier in the scene and he proceeds into his sister's room who miraculously doesn't start screaming or yelling at him I mean could you imagine if your six-year-old brother walks into your bedroom you're half naked and he's wearing a clown mask with a huge butcher's knife in your hand and you just go oh Michael and get stabbed about what ten or so times Hmm. Although interestingly, this may be to show what was happening, but Michael doesn't actually look at his sister as he's stabbing her. He just looks away and just watches the knife plunging into her, which I found was quite interesting. Uh, and then he casually walks out the stairs and the parents pull up in their car and shock horror. It isn't a point of view serial killer, it's a little boy. Oh my god. And then it cuts to... 1978, um, unless of course you saw the TV version, uh, which had bits and pieces added due to Network in America, wanted to be extended, wanted to cut the gore and the, the tits out, they had to add bits and pieces to it, so they added a bit in it where you find out that Michael has a sister, Laurie, which isn't actually mentioned in this movie, I don't think, I think, I think that bombshell was dropped uh, during Halloween 2, which coincidentally is when um, TV version was filmed. But anyway, back to the movie that we all know and love. Uh, yes, this is where you first meet Dr. Sam Lewis, aka Donald Pleasance, and Nurse Whittington, I think her name was, was it? Um, and you see what Michael has broken out of the sanitary, sanitarium, well, and has made all the the patients wander around in the pitch black um, and this is where the evil has gone from here as Michael scurries up on top of the roof of the car and smashes the window with a not very well hidden wrench in his arm and the nurse makes her a quick escape. So Michael makes his escape by driving the car even though apparently nobody told him how to drive. Hmm, okay then, fair enough. However, I don't know the fact how the nurse barely escapes of her life, but Pleasance doesn't even attempt to help her up. <laughs> she just leaves a line in the ditch. And it looks kind of hopeless as the car speeds off into the darkness. And then the movie cuts to Laurie, the heroine of the piece. Laurie Strode, um, or Laurie Myers, is it? Hmm. Um, yes. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, which is, it shows you her of her father, uh, Strode real estate, selling off the old Myers house, which apparently was empty since 1963. Yet yeah, nobody in the, the neighbourhood watched wants the place demolished. Yeah, hmm. Reality there. The hey hell. Anyway, um, Laurie meets up with her charge for the night, Tommy. And the two of them walk over to, to the infamous Myers house and he tells her the place is haunted, it's a spook house and Lonnie Langford was told nobody got to you and blah 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 blah. And that's when Michael first sees Laurie. 
and the infamous music kicks in and boom there we have it uh, then it cuts to Laurie in the school and Michael is now watching her from the window and I was like okay then so he now stalked her into the to the school uh, interesting okay then so then it cuts to Loomis and he finds out that actually wait I missed a bit actually hold on <laughs> yeah, I've missed a bit um, as my I don't do nothing prescriptive, it's off the bloody cuff, and I forgot. Mike, uh, Lewis finds Michael's, well, the body, he gets the uh, coveralls for, or overalls, as, as the British calls it. <laughs> um, which is interesting, because why would they just steal another car and ditch it next to the railway tracks? Uh, just as a town of Haddonfield, if he was already in the car, uh, why would they need to steal another car? Which, did, by the way, the car he uses is still the car he stole with, earlier that night. That's an interesting little flaw there. But anyhow, so Loomis is now heading back to Haddonfield, uh, where he finds the grave of the older sister, uh, Judith Myers, and that's when the first gale of Wafford kicks in. When, well, well, as I said from last night, uh, when they find out what the tombstone has been stolen, and then it cuts to uh, the three girls walking down the street, talking about this and that and other stuff, and how they need a place to go for to have sex and stuff, and how they want to go trick or treating, but they don't want to do it because they're now too old for it and this and that. Uh, basic girl talk, which apparently was written by Deborah Hill, um, who was. Then John Carpenter, so John Carpenter's then girlfriend. Right, and this is when Laurie first sees Michael hide behind a bush, and she sets Annie up to get Miguel basically, but he's scoundered off. So they think that Laurie is is all her head. She's too stressed from all the babies that she's done because apparently she's a she's a pretty little virgin. Um, unlike they two, they're a bit loose ladies, but these ones. This is why they're knife fodder because well, Michael only kills promiscuous girls or girls that are been smoking or drinking or doing drugs. Even though Laurie smokes a joint in the car as Annie picks her up, which is carrying that huge mel uh, melon uh, pumpkin, which is actually there were fake pumpkins because this was filmed in July, so everything was faked. The jack-o'-lanterns were faked. The pumpkins were faked. So then Michael hunts down the charge for the night. Uh, Tommy, uh, Tommy Doyle, I believe his second name is. But anyway, uh, hunts him down, and he's getting picked on by three of the most obnoxious little brat bullies, notably of the 70s. I'm guessing. But anyway, and he gets stalked to his house, I'm guessing, uh, because what else would, would Michael know where he stays, which is kind of weird. And of course, it cuts to later on that night, where Annie picks up, as I said earlier, Annie picks up Laurie, and drives him to the neighbourhood where they're babysitting the two kids, um, the little spoiled brat, Lindsay, and the Tom, uh, Tommy. And he's obsessed with the boogeyman for some reason, even though he, he hasn't heard of this this terminology. Even though he's supposed to be, what, about nine, ten, maybe? And it's the first time he's heard of the boogeyman. Uh, yes, well, hmm. Because I suppose that's the 70s, so I don't know. Hmm. It's like old to be first hearing about the, the boogeyman. But anyway, as I was saying, uh, Michael stalks them in their fabulous car as they're sitting just puffing away their, their 
joint, uh, and that's when they meet Annie's dad, the sheriff, Sheriff Brackett, um, who is only just responding to the breaking at the hardware store. And Michael gets his, his rope and his knives and his masks out. Wasn't Michael wearing a mask earlier in the movie when he first stalks Laurie? Hmm, is this a flaw? Or is this a lantern going off for most of the day and night? That's a little bit there, that's a mistake. And that's when, of course, it now shows you Dr. Loomis and Sheriff Brackett first meet. And he goes on about, he needs to meet him and all that stuff. And did it unbeknownst to him, Michael has drove behind him. And that was another gale of laughter last night. I don't suppose it was supposed to be funny, but a good three minute chuckle at that, maybe not. And then of course it cuts to, it cuts to later on that night. And Laurie's in the full swing of babysitting. She's sitting to Tommy. And of course he's going to these comic books. The Laser Man, the Neutron Man, and Tarantula Man. This is why the mother doesn't approve and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, you know. Um, but unbeknownst to Laurie, Michael has stalked and strangled to death her best friend Annie. In one of the most ridiculous death scenes I've seen in quite a while. First of all, she's making popcorn and she spills butter on it. Yeah, and she has to take off every item of clothing apart from a pair of flowery knickers. And then proceed outside to do the twin tub washing and, washing and dryer. Okay then. Um, right. First up, why should you be completely naked? Could you not just took off her trousers or her pants if you're American? And put on another outfit instead of a white shirt that barely covers her uh, and then proceeds out in the freezing cold mind October 31st night well of course this is filmed in July but still it's supposed to be October 31st another thing I found quite interesting was how quickly she gets locked in the outdoor laundry room uh, or was that Michael that done that or was it just sheer bad luck and of course her boyfriend calls and she goes into a stage because she's stuck in a window. The little girl Lindsay answers the phone, yada yada yada. And it then leads to her death because she gets strangled in the back of her car by Michael, who steams up the place ridiculously fast. And she, has, she goes all cross eyed and gets killed. And then, of course, Tommy sees Michael carrying the, the body out the garage and back into the front house, which makes him go hysterics. Oh, well, I should say, um, Lindsay has been dumped onto Laurie to be reset because she's off to gallivant for her boyfriend. Hmm. But anyway, so now Laurie has got stuck with two kids. She's stuck with Lindsay and Tommy, which was interesting, shall we say. So then, as I was saying, so Annie's been killed and next thing you know, the shagging wagon, <laughs> that is Linda and her boyfriend, Bob. Now, bearing in mind, these two are heavily been drinking for quite a while, or heavily drunk rather, and they were driving a car, or one of the Sims, I suppose, and then they, they make their way into the house and make out on the sofa, where Michael notices and basically stalks them for the rest of that night. Uh, they go up the stairs, and of course, third door on the left, and they proceed to make love, which is another one of the weirdest sex scenes I've ever seen, as Michael's watching them from the doorway. And then the finish having a brief sex after they get interrupted 
by a telephone call. Okay then. And Linda sends Bob downstairs to get some beer after a quick what 30 second argument over the beers and he's gonna get it and all that stuff. And of course this is Michael's first kill. Well, first kill of a hum uh, of a man anyway. His infamous kill rather of stabbing him on the fridge with the knife, which no way his body would be able to be stuck in a fridge door. And he goes upstairs, puts on the ghost outfit, complete with glasses, which is a nice touch, but maybe a tad much. And pisses Linda off. Uh, so she calls Laurie to figure out what's happening, and of course, Michael strangles her as Laurie's on the other end of the phone. Now, this leads me to one little flaw I have here. How can uh, Linda not just kick Michael in the, in the balls? But I should say uh, she gets strangled by the telephone cord, and apparently, at every Halloween convention since, She's been asked to sign numerous phones and stuff, and she does all the photo shoots with the, the cord wrapped around her neck and all this, and it's quite, I don't know, fun, I suppose. Uh, but anyway, um, the one thing I should say is that all throughout the night, on the TV, they showed The Thing. No, not John Carpenter's Thing, but the original Thing. And uh, I was thinking, one movie for the entire night, it's supposed to be a horror-thon, I know I have the one movie for the entire night, but here. So the kids are upstairs and they're under bed. Uh, so Laurie decides to go and investigate. However, in the meantime, uh, Dr. Loomis and the sheriff are in the bushes outside the house. Once they look back into the house and find the dead body of a dog, which Michael has eaten. Um, okay then. And that one had another gale of laughters. Why is it funny hearing a dog getting it? You know, or rather, hearing of a dog getting it. Um, the other thing that was a gale of laughter was Lindsay's dog, the Alsatian, getting strangled. That was a little huge laughing point, apparently, which I don't get why that is so funny. Uh, so, as I was saying, so when Laurie is investigating the house and she finds Annie's dead body with the tombstone over her head, and Bob is hanging off the back of the door frame, and Annie, Linda rather, is in the, the cupboard. And this is where Michael comes out of the darkness and stabs her in the shoulder and she falls over the banister and again as I said earlier this was great laughter to this which I don't get myself and of course she makes her escape runs out the well, tries to run the front door front door's locked she goes to the back door which has been locked somehow from the outside by a rake which you're supposed to believe is Michael did not but how did he get in the building if the front door was locked hmm anyway so it takes her forever to smash the the window and then she makes her escape and she runs across the road and unfortunately she has lost the keys and of course this gives the infamous the keys the keys the keys um which was another thing of a gale of laughter um which came over across so she smashes the flower pot up to the window looks up the little kid and a little kid stumbles downstairs up the door but by that time michael has just came out of the house what in the hell was he doing in that house for all that time it's about what 40 seconds what the what was he doing? So, Michael makes his way across the, the road and proceeds to try to stab her um, again with a knife. But she stabs him in the neck, I believe, or the eye, is it? Um, with the knitted needle. Then she picks up the knife. She stupidly drops it, which brings another gale of laughter. And she goes upstairs, tells the kids she's killed the boogeyman. Oh, but you can't kill the boogeyman! And that's when Michael comes up the stairs and she tells the kids to hide. And she does her infamous hiding in the closets, or yeah, the, the closet thing. And it takes Michael forever 
to smash the, these wooden doors off the hinges, <laughs> in essence. Even though it shows him earlier, he can punch through a solid door to unlock it from the, well, the inside. Hmm. But anyway, so this does the gives Lottie the chance of getting the co-hanger and of course stabbing him in the eye again, I guess. Stabbing him again. And she gets the knife off him and plunges it deep into his heart. She escapes and of course Miko's not dead. He rises from the dead Dracula style. And just as that, um, Loomis comes in and shoots Michael as he's strangling Laurie. But Laurie managed to break the mask off and you see Michael's face, which is a bog-standard average everyday face, but with one of his eyes slightly gouged a little bit. And Loomis shoots him six times. And of course he falls off the balcony. And that brings us to the end, which had a good five-minute howling of laughter, which I don't get why that was so funny. There was two ways they could play this thing. They could play this thing as, oh my god, he's gone, or I knew he was going to go. And Pleasance played it both ways to Carpenter. Apparently Carpenter picked the, oh my god, he's gone, cut. See, the one thing I think quite interesting about, about Carpenter was this movie is full of mistakes, as is his area. The cameraman bumps into the couch, bumps into the staircase. There's a, there's a apartment where Carpenter's cigar smoke wafts in off the screen and a lot of the stuff was slightly out of focus but yeah i suppose it was a a, a quick 20 day shoot so i'm not too sure about that one uh, and of course that leads to michael like escaping and brings us on to halloween 2 which i'm not going to get to great detail here but they find out this is more of the same day and i may do halloween 2 a later time i may not but anyway Thanks for listening to number two of my podcast, Here's Johnny's Reviews. Now this thing is, again, another bona fide classic. I'm going to have to give this one uh, 8 out of 10. It would have been 10 out of 10, but having seen this thing on a big screen, there is a kind of lag. You shouldn't really notice when you're watching it on DVD or video, because you're, or, or, or Blu-ray rather, uh, because you're usually doing other things, such as covering the jack-o'-lanterns and stuff. But as I say, this is a solid 8 out of 10 and was the start of the slasher franchise uh, and slasher genre even. But anyway, yeah, 8 out of 10. Thanks for listening to me ranting about this thing. Off the cuff again. Bye.